Howdy, friends. It's Mr. Adam X. You're listening to the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Short and sweet this week. We're at OR. We're in Denver. We just skied powder with Weird Foothill Guy. Life is good. Feeling great. Uh, I've got a couple minutes in the hotel room by myself, which is actually really great. <laughs> really, really great. Um, yeah, things are good. It's snowing in Denver. We're going to Tahoe next week. It's going to be fire. Shout out to my sponsor this week, Onyx Backcountry. You guys know the app. You know what it is. Onyxmaps.com. Download it. Use it. It's a guidebook in your pocket. It doesn't get any better than this. It's simple. It's easy to use. And it's literally a tool. It's a tool for survival. Marking your vehicle so you can get back to it if you get lost on the skin track. Onyx Backcountry. Onyxmaps.com. Use code out of bounds for 20% off your subscription. Doesn't get much easier than that. Doesn't get much better than that. Again, onyxmaps.com, use code out of bounds. And now to my, we're gonna make it short and sweet. Short and sweet. My guest this week is Doug from Full Send Ski Co. He makes skis, ski manufacturer. Uh, He actually has kind of claimed to fame as he has a Cy Whitling Pro model. And we talk about it, which is a ski board, ski blade, snowler blade, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the backcountry. It's an amazing episode. We talk about why. You know, why do independent ski makers make skis? I don't get it. Uh, it's one of my favorite questions to ask these guys because it's so much work for little reward. So it's a really fun episode. Doug has really good answers. We have a great combo. Uh, internet is a little shaky a couple of times, so bear with the edit, but it pops right back. Amazing episode. Here it is. Like, you know, I don't want to say smaller brands or tiny brands, but like it's cool uh, to find like, and we're recording right now, so this is this is all on it. But like, yeah, it's fun. Like my question for you right off the bat is like the why? Because <laughs> I mean, really, just because I'm like stupid stubborn. So I started off basically. I mean, I like to build things since I was like a little kid, pretty much. So I like did Legos pretty much all the way up through college and whatnot. And I kind of got the hanker in my mind, like senior high school to start like building skis at some point and kept buying more and more skis, kept reading like every blister gear review on a pair of skis that came out and, you know, really great, obviously, because that's whenever I ended up dropping the point on either some new Ben Chetlers or seeing if I could dig up an old pair of like Rosingle Sickles or something. They like, you know, perform just like blister said they would which was fantastic and i finally got to the point where i was like man like all these skis i could actually sit there and i wanted to like combine like my favorite aspects of each one so it's like combine my favorite part of like the line mr pollard's opus with my favorite parts like the moment bibby pro and then like try to do like the best kind of like weird conglomeration all mountain shape blended with like a rosy sickle and then use that as like my i don't know my primary inspiration for like how to build was was that like blending all these different skis together that I read about and rode and then not really wanting to give up at doing it because it has been, has been making me money yet, which is, (laughs) which is of course the case, but I thought I was going to save so much money on ski purchases by building my own skis. That, 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 that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. Cause now you just make your own and you still buy other skis so you can like, 
test, right? Like you're like, I got to see what this one does or like you're, you know, you're demoing skis or just materials. Yeah. Like mater- material costs alone have to be like through the roof right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've been doing like just supply chain stuff alone. Like I was, I was lucky that I switched up epoxy suppliers like midway through the summertime, but when I, before I released the blades, cause that ended up like dropping my epoxy costs quite a bit, which was nice. Cause then when everything else went through the roof here in the last like six months or so, I was, I don't have to change prices, which is good, at least for the next year. I mean, we'll kind of like still play it by ear, of course, because I'd like to be able to keep kind of like a standard pricing for them. But I mean, the park ski was originally going to be released for like around $800, but it's looking like I'm going to do 850 now just to like compensate all those additional cost increases. But not, not the worst thing, but obviously not the best thing either. Yeah. But I think it's, I mean, it's just a reality. Like there's no, I, th- my funny, like the funniest thing I think about when people, my buddy makes skis and you know, you're selling them for 800 to $1,200 basically. Yeah. And you're not, you're not making a ton of money on that. Like if you include time, you're barely even making money. Right. Like it just seems like so much work to make a ski. And then, then all like the, like you said, the time too, cause it's I mean all the hours I spent driving up to the hill, the money I spent on gas, the time I spent skiing, I mean, the amount of days that I've had like been up there on like shitty tunes and like riding my skis and you're like, wow, these things are absolute trash because I can't get a proper edge bevel set on them. And dealing with all that and then the amount of skis like I've messed up building to the point where like, you know, they're not rideable anymore or, and then just having like, you know, three to $400 of materials essentially down the drain more or less. And then that still doesn't even account for like how much time I've spent sitting here and like thinking about, all right, what am I going to do for the side cut radius? Where exactly do I want like the center point of the ski to be? Where do I want this flex profile? How do I want all this to get squared away? And then keeping all the machines dialed and in tune so that I'm getting like the right like consistency for all my production processes. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's nice when I can actually like pay myself a little bit. So I can can afford my mortgage and more PBR. (laughs) I think it's important to like have that conversation, like publicly and for people to hear, because like, that's what you get when you're buying from a smaller brand. And that's what you like people like, well, I can go buy a, you know, a blizzard for $800. And it's like, yeah, but like they don't see blizzards buying in bulk, right? Like they're buying giant, like, you know, thousands upon thousands of gallons of epoxy. You're buying five gallons. And like, or fifth. Exactly. And I think it's, it's important to drive home. Like, okay, if you build a ski for, and we don't have to do exact numbers, but I do think it is important for people to hear, like you're building a ski. It, it costs you $400 in materials. And now your time, I don't know what that takes, but let's call it 10 hours for a ski. Is that close? Or are we? Yeah. Like roughly 10 to 12 to 14 hours. And then that kind of goes into too, like, you know, what, what exactly am I building for the person? Like the more complicated to get, the more my time goes into it. I mean, the more sanding, the more processes I add in there, it's just, you know, it adds up and it's, I mean, I can, I know they're, they're not going to see it on the podcast, but I'm sitting right next to like my area where I do all my cutting. So I've got all of my giant tarp set up and I spend, you know, some days three to four hours 
like in a painter's suit in a room that's like 80 to 100 degrees with like a full suit on trying to get this whole thing built. And it's like, I don't like doing that. That's not <laughs> that's not my favorite part of ski building. <laughs> right. It's like that's, that's my least favorite part. Yeah. And like it's it's not like just super easy work, like, you know, zip in and out and you're done. I mean, you got to sit there and make precise cuts the entire time because the last thing you want to do is you know, ruin someone's pair of skis that you're making. And then well, obviously the customer doesn't have to worry because they're going to get a pair regardless. But then I worry because then I'm out however many hours I'm in for the time and the money and the cost of building it. And it's a, it, it takes quite a bit. So at least whenever you're buying in bulk from Blizzard and stuff, like not to say like they've got a bunch of good production processes set up and they're like super big. And they've got all these people they've trained for years and huge factories and they buy in bulk and all these materials that they can get for like a low cost just because they buy a ton and then they can offer their, so they can increase their profit margins. So then they can, obviously then they have to sell a whole lot to then justify it. And it's like, it doesn't make it bad that companies do that or that there's any, or that, you know, it doesn't make me better. The fact I'm doing it on a smaller scale, it's just cost reasons is the tinier the ski company, generally the higher the prices to offset the cost just for all the equipment. Yeah. I think there's a, you know, it's a, it's a niche market for sure. And it's, there's plenty of small yeah. ski brands out there that exist and will hopefully continue to exist. And I think it's, I think it's fun, but I want to backtrack a little bit cause we jumped right in first, tell everyone who you are and what skis we're even talking about. So we can get your oh, name yeah. out there. Cause we just jumped <laughs> right in. So anyway, like I'm, I'm Doug, I guess I, I build skis in South Dakota, the, uh, the great Mecca of, <laughs> skiing in the Midwest. It's not even that. I think there's better ski hills in Wisconsin and Minnesota, but I basically started off, I got an engineering degree from School of Mines here and then kind of just got really into skiing and kept buying a new pair of skis every year. And it just kind of snowballed from there until I got to the point where I was thinking, you know, I could probably build myself like not a better ski than what other companies can offer, but like a better ski for me. Cause that was kind of like the whole point of the whole endeavor. It's like, there's really no such thing as like the best ski out there. It's all like how well attuned can you make a ski to a certain individual skiing style, stance, weight, body type, like all those factors, or even just like how they're feeling for the day. Cause you know, some days you just want to sit there and do like have really fun, playful ski day and just like, you know, do low speed, low risk tricks, just enjoy it. Now the days you just want to mop and you really want to go hard. And it's like, that's two different types of skis in their entirety. And despite the best effort you can do to try to build one, that's like a Jack of all trades, master of none. There's always going to be, there's always going to be better skis for different conditions or different styles of riding. And so like my whole point of the design process was I wanted to build like the absolute, my absolute favorite ski for me that I like to choose over any of the other skis that I had like built up in my way too large ski quiver over the years. And I somehow, I somehow managed to get that. Like I've been, very surprised in just both the design process and like the build process in the fact that I've been able to meet my own expectations mainly because I I'm super hard on myself like I'm super hard on my product like I'm super hard on like how it works how it performs how it feels underfoot and like if it doesn't feel absolutely dialed or if it doesn't feel great like it's it's not going to get built or it's not going to get offered up to the public like I've had tons of skis that have like come out like crap that I've made, that I've tested, that I've demoed and have been like, all right, these are, you know, these are trash. I'm just gonna, <laughs> and they're not like terrible skis. They're not, they're just not good skis for me. Like they'll be good for someone else. I always just sell them like at material cost to 
honestly just locals around here that are likes to be able to support it and get a good deal on it and that way they still get out and ride it they still get to enjoy them but then i get to keep working through prototypes to be able to recoup that investment and keep working on building more skis oh and i built snowblades too i always oh we're going to talk about snowblades we're going to talk yeah. about that that's going to be our ender yeah for that's sure yeah. Uh, you never mentioned your company, so I will. Uh, it is Full Send Ski Company. Oh, yeah, Full Send. And um, he's out of South Dakota, which is the, the mecca of Midwest skiing, as stated. But, like, and I don't mean this in any loaded way, but this is my job, I guess. But, like, what is the end game for, and maybe you are going to speak for every independent ski manufacturer, but, like, is the end game to become... Fisher line K2 or is the end game just to make like niche skis, good quality skis handmade for people who care about that, you know, cause there is a world that cares about like where their ski comes from. Yeah. No. And it's definitely like, I definitely want to shoot for like the niche model. Like I want to keep it small. I don't like my goal isn't to get super huge. Like obviously I just want to grow sales obviously and mark and so i can basically just want to make enough so i can pay myself so i can you know pay my mortgage live in my house pay all my bills and whatnot make a little money so i can save and keep the business running it's like like if it gets big enough to the point where i'm starting to push and maybe get closer to something more akin to like wagner custom skis or Folsom skis like that also be great like i'm definitely not gonna like shy away if like if I think the growth opportunity is there, if I think that's where it should be, you know, that's where I should be going. But I don't really see myself ever becoming like line or K2. Like if I had to really push for it and like really the companies that I would strive to like be similar to would be moment or ON 3P or like parlor skis that do that does all the customs on the East coast, like those guys. I mean, right now I'm kind of pushing, I want to end up maybe going up and being kind of like a white room custom skis. Mm -hmm. I think he only does like 25 to 30 pairs a year or something, but he does just really beautiful, intricate levels of like veneer inlays and work and his skis just look phenomenal. And, but then he like, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like he tries to like, you know, overproduce or over push himself. He just really goes for like really nice, well-crafted handmade skis and just goes for that. Or like, sorry, ingenious skis out of Jackson too like kind of their business model of just, I think he only quoted when I talked to him, he was building like a hundred pairs a year or something. And that's, that'd be great for me. Like I'd be happy doing that. (laughs) Right. I just want this to be a job for myself. You don't have any employees, correct? It's just you. Just me. I've got a couple guys I work with as far as, I mean, honestly, they've mainly been, they've been absolutely wonderful as far as like working with me for, essentially i build them skis i've got my cousin he does all of our artwork so he does a bunch of all the drawing and everything any intricate really cool like pictures or anything you see on the skis of like the artwork on it he does all that i have zero artistic talent i just i just build the skis i do the easy part (laughs) he does the actual drawing and then anytime that like my instagram feed looks like oh wow it looks like you actually have someone that knows how to run a camera that's my buddy Landon Burke. He's a LB photo on Instagram. I'm usually taking all my stuff, but he's the one that makes me look good on Instagram, gets all my photos done, sits there. He's hounded me about a park ski for like the past two years, which has been great because I finally built it and it actually turned out absolutely fantastic. So that was a, that was a huge, that was a huge deal. And he's the one that's been, you know, kind of striving me to do better for like my marketing side too. And I've been 
obviously then he gets good deals as far as skis and everything is kind of the, the throwback, which is nice because I'm very thankful because I feel like I'm taking advantage of these guys and they're just, it's absolutely wonderful that they're just kind of like still supporting me and, you know, keeping my stoke alive. And it's been, I just, I can't be thankful enough for those guys. So they've me out so much. Yeah. It's just the power of friendship, right? Like you're not taking advantage yeah, of no your you're friends, you know, that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I still feel bad, though, because I want to make sure they don't feel like they're wasting their time or that, you know, I don't know. I, I just want to make sure they're happy because it's like I want them to stick around. I like having them around. So I want to make sure they're they're, they're doing good because other than that, I don't just want to be, you know, I don't want to be leeching off all their hard work and labor and whatnot. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's give and take. I, I think it goes both ways. And I think especially with small business, it's just how it goes. I've been a small business owner for 15 years and it's the amount of friends I've hired to do things and you pay them when you can. And when the tide is high, you take care of them. And when the tide is low, you, you give them what you can. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's almost like the old business model of like things, you know, we used to be decent humans (laughs) and we used to like trade for things and value people's time. And, you know, I, I build vans on the side and I just built a van and, you know, we, we made some money. We put a lot of work in, but I had a friend and I paid him and he's like, dude. And I was like, dude, when the tide is high, I'll take care of you. And when it's low, then we're going to lose money and we'll lose money together. And that's, yeah, you know, but I don't think it's, you know, I never feel like I take advantage of them. I just, I think it's just part of life. I've, I have a filmer, same thing who I've worked with for a long time and we've made beautiful pieces of art via film and we've never made a dime. And then recently I had an opportunity and we've made a short film, which is coming out soon. I can't talk too much about it. But he was like, I was like, what do, what do I owe you? And he's like, you don't, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, like, what would you charge somebody? He's like, well, it's you. And I was like, yeah, but I have a budget for the first time in my life to create something. So it's like, let's, yeah. you know, so when I think, you know, I don't, I've met you for 20 minutes here, but like. When the tide's high, you'll take care of them, and that's what you do. That's because we're we're decent humans, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's how it should work. Yeah. So if I want to buy a ski from Full Send, no, exactly, because it's like, oh, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, I don't want to. You want to buy a ski from Full Send? Okay. If I want to buy a ski got, from Full I mean, Send, what is the process? Basically, easiest process. I've got it kind of set up on the website right now. It's still website. Website's garbage. It's it's a work in progress. It's always <laughs> gonna be a work in progress because I like building things more than I like advertising things, which is very very readily apparent by both my Instagram feed and the website. It's not terrible, but it's it it, it can always be better. There's a reason people get but, paid a lot of money to build websites. It's hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the reason Wix has done such a good job of making it almost idiot proof. Yes. Yeah. So I've got it set up on the website right now. So basically you can go there and then we kind of just have it tiered out mainly for like price point. So you can go with either essentially a thousand dollars flat right now for a custom build that nets you essentially everything. So you can do whatever wood veneer we can get our hands on within reason. Obviously we get some like ridiculously expensive wood veneer. We're going to have to pass that on to the customer, but Normal wood veneers that we can source like locally here. Like we got a local wood store that I can get most of them from, which is fantastic. Like you'll get whatever choice of wood veneer, 
you can do a variety of base sheet colors. I still recommend we have either a pink or like a lime green. Those are just, those are the two ones I have in stock that have like, I mean, they're both 4001 center dirt surfaces. So super durable, super hard, really, really nice, really thick too. So like I always push people to go definitely with that unless they're really wanting to go with like a different color. But the other colors that I've got in stock are more like the, uh, you know, they're 2001 DuraServe or like extruded bases. So something more akin to a mass produced ski you'd find coming out of like China or something, which is not, it's not, they're not bad bases. They're just a little bit softer. So they absorb wax better. They'll hold wax longer, but then they'll take a little bit more damage compared to the harder bases, which will then, you know, not hold wax as long, but resist damage a lot more. So it's, it's a give and take, but I always try to push them toward more towards like kind of like the longevity side. So you get bases, any flex profile you want. We can even build custom flex profiles. We've got like three or four in stock that we pretty much just have ready to go. And then we can kind of fine tune them to, you know, what the individuals want to ski. And then we can tailor in whatever composites you want to do too. So we can do like full carbon layups, you know, just carbon fiber stringers, standard like 22 ounce triaxle glass layups. If you want to throw some Kevlar in there too, we've done Kevlar as well, which has been pretty fun. And it's basically, basically that kind of just, pick and choose kind of like a build a bear building skis which is i i like it <laughs> i like that you just said half of those words and i was just like no one can see this audio but i'm like nodding my head like i know anything you're talking about <laughs> so but what i mean I by know, that right? is like you're like oh it's 100 dura cordura with a you know and i'm like okay yeah sure but like how do you how do you explain that to the consumer like, is there an easy process or like, so if I click a custom order on your website, do you just call me or you shoot me yep. an email and we go back and forth? So it's, yeah, like call you email, like I'll actually like, I prefer, yeah, I prefer emails and calls and like actually talking to people. Cause like, it's much more fun to sit there and just like, you know, hash out what they like to ride, what kind of, you know, what kind of style in body weight mass type that helps as well. I mean, the biggest thing is kind of looking at their current ski quiver and seeing kind of like what they know so far. Cause you really only like, you only know what you've ridden before and you know, that can, that can change. Like you can have, you can be really limited by your current quiver just because like that's your only options for what you ride. And it's hard to get out there and like test a bunch of different skis or ski on a bunch of different skis. And like, you know, even just seeing a demo around for like a day, like, that alone can get you just to have like an entire new mindset of like what other types of skis can be out there. Cause I mean, there is days where I absolutely loved like, you know, riding my line, Mr. Pollard's Opus and they were just fantastic, perfect ski for the day. And the next day I'm like, all right, I'm going to take the Bibby out and just kind of, uh, and take this guy out and like romp him around for a while and absolutely love that ski too. And it's, I'm just glad that I was able to been blessed with the opportunity to have like so many different skis to ride on. Cause then that kind of really helped me like figure out how did I want to like build these, which also I need to make sure I actually have a ski in the press right now. So I'm looking at my temperature reading. Uh, you're so okay. If you have to pause, just yeah. just tell me. Um, I don't know. You're, I, can, I can hopefully multitask. That's somewhat. all right. But it's, um, it is funny. Like I've worked in ski retail for years and you see just because they're good skiers doesn't mean they know anything about ski layup and how it's designed and why and like what Abbott adding you know a sheet of titanol does versus graphene versus carbon stringers so it's that's what i've always found so interesting is when you build exactly. custom skis 
it always makes me nervous because like they can say what they want and then you build it and then they hate it, right? Like that you hope they don't, but they hate it. And it's like, well, those are the materials yep. you picked. Yeah. So it's like, how do you hone them in? Yeah. Being like, okay, yeah, you want the baddest ski on the planet. You want two sheets of titanol and you want whatever. But sorry, buddy, you don't have the, you know, not everyone has the, this is what I say to put it lightly. Not everyone has the software to run the hardware, including myself. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. So how do you No, like exactly. Like God. It's almost like a I don't know. I'm I, I'm kind of blunt. So if I think someone's like wanting something that I don't think would be best for them, I'll tell them that. And it's like I always try to be nice about it too, because I don't want to like you know make them feel like they're an idiot or anything. Because I mean sometimes people just don't know. And other times too, it's like you know if if my style of skis that I can manufacture for you, if I don't think they're actually going to be, you know, exactly what you want, or if I don't think it's going to like meet your expectations, like I'm more than happy to like help you figure out what type of ski or what ski brand or ski company would like fit you best. Cause like at the end of the day, like, you know, I know like dropping a thousand dollars on a pair of skis, like that's an investment. Like, you know, some people have that money, just chump change lying around. A lot of others don't. And some people save up for it. And this is like, you know, something they want to put their well hard earned money towards and I want them to make, I want them to like come out of that interaction with me knowing that like I have their best interest in mind and whether or not that's me telling them and being like, I don't think that my style of skis that I make would be the best for you. I think you should go look at maybe the O13P custom ski builder. I think you should go look at Moment. I think you should go line. I think you should look at these other small ski companies, maybe Folsom, maybe Wagner, like, you know, maybe it's Blizzard, maybe it's Atomic, maybe it's a Roswell. Those are also great options because at the end of the day, I want the customer to walk away with like a pair of skis they absolutely love so that they can go ride and have a fantastic time skiing. And then, I mean, I always view that as like a positive customer interaction because as long as they end up happy on a pair of skis, regardless of what company makes them, they're going to be out skiing, spending money on the sport, supporting local ski shops. Maybe someday they'll, you know, their style will change enough. They'll want to come buy a pair of skis for me, or at least they'll be able to, you know, tell their friends like, yeah, even if you don't end up buying a pair of skis from this kid, he'll set you in the right, you know, he'll at least kind of help you figure out what sort of skis you want to go with. So then you're not ending up buying a pair of skis that you might not absolutely love. Yeah. I think that's just a testament to one, who you are, but two, that's how you stay alive. Like that's how you, you know, I say, again, I, I photograph weddings like for a living and I'm always like, you know, I'm not Nike. Like if I have one bad review, my business is toast. Like I can't upset the industry and survive. Like I don't have, I'm not big enough to do that. So that sounds like exactly what you're doing. Like, Hey, if I make somebody a ski that I know isn't going to work for them and they tell five of their friends, that's enough for me to not survive next year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's much rather. I've never had that happen to me with like a variety of products, like both, not really in the ski industry, but, you know, just like in general of like other things I buy throughout my life where it's been like, you know, I dropped my hard earned money on this. And then it, I guess, <laughs> here, I'll just, my car that I, my car that I bought, I ended up getting a, uh, getting a Hummer H3, which was, I know I was very, very happy about that. It was my dream car from when I was like a little kid. So that was, 
It was nice to have an attainable dream car. <laughs> right. So we got a nice used one. And then the engine ended up blowing up in it because the i5 engine that GM designed is absolute trash. <laughs> so I wish I had known that going into it. That would have been nice, but <laughs> I didn't. And I got bit in the ass on that. So then luckily, again, great friends are fantastic. I had a buddy who had done a V8 swap in his car before, and he helped me do a V8 swap in that. And by hell, I mean, he did all the work and had tools. And it's, I still have a vehicle. Thank goodness. That's amazing. And I didn't have to trash it. Yeah, you didn't have to scrap it. <laughs> All right. I know. And it was like, the rest of the car was perfect and just a little blue motor. That's how it goes sometimes. But that's, I mean, that might be an important part. Maybe an essential part of a car is the motor. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> the, the primary purpose of it existing. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have to talk. Because I interviewed, I think, maybe one of your only pro riders, Cy Whitling, uh, in my fir- one of yep. my first 10 episodes. But he is a self-proclaimed, I don't know if he would say pro, but we'll say pro for this argument, uh, backcountry snow- no, I, I, snowblader. You would or wouldn't say pro? Yep. I, I would say pro, yeah. Definitely pro. I he took me, I was over at his place in Driggs and he took me on like one ski tour and I'm a terrible example of like being in shape for ski touring at all. But he, he left me in the dust on those blades and I was on like my normal touring setup and I was like, good Lord. <laughs> so no, definite pro though. He was a, he's pretty much like the, we're back. Right. Sorry. We had a little drop there, but yeah. So Cy Whitling, uh, amazing illustrator, artist, amazing, like sleeper mountain biker, which I didn't know. But yeah, pro self-proclaimed snowblader, and he does them in the backcountry, and he has his reasonings to why. And yep. I, I don't know if I agree with them or not, but I I can't argue with them because I, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just having fun, and that's the whole goal of this entire sport and this entire industry. But he linked up with exactly. you somehow, and you make a I think the world's only backcountry specific ski board snowblade snowblade whatever you want to call it. How did this come about? Why? Yep. Whatever doesn't get me sued by Solomon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, basically met, gosh, what was it? Someone got linked up with him on new schoolers probably about like two and a half years ago or two years ago. I don't know. My time frame is terrible. I measure my, my time and what ski model I was riding on that year. So probably two years ago now. But yeah, met up with him and uh, we just started talking about like he was riding a pair of ski blades that had built by Sago skis over there in, you know, Victor, Idaho. And he had them um, set up with, I forget, I think it was like the moment eight, uh, the ATK binding that moment sells. And that was like his, you know, very specific. This is the touring setup I'm going to use if I want to go back, like, you know, a long approach to a couloir and then just do hop turns down the whole face of it or something. And, like, from the way he described it, I think Cy went to engineering school at some point for a while. But the way he described it, like, it made sense to me of, instead of spending all that money buying, like, a super light Schemo ski that does really well on the uphill, but then, I mean, you know, no offense to Schemo skis, but they're kind of absolute trash going downhill, like, at least in relation if you want to, like, have fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is kind of like my if I'm riding downhill, I want to be that. I want that to be the fun part. I'll suffer on the uphill as long as downhill's fun. But so he was like, this is you know, if I rock snowler blades, this is a way to like cut weight down to basically nothing and still have a fun platform to ride downhill on that does, you know, 80% as well on the uphill as like your normal touring skis. And I saw that he said he'd been trying to convince some other ski companies, I think to like, you know, take it up as like a product line, but obviously it's such like a niche, small market, like, you know, spooling up all the tooling and everything to then go and like build them and produce them doesn't really make sense for bigger companies. Like, you know, which is why probably Sega or those other guys didn't do it, which is totally valid business reason. Like I understand it. And then I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm tiny and I'm bored. So I'm, I'm more than happy to like <laughs> build a pair of touring blades. Cause if it nets me five to 10 sales, like that's five to 10 more sales than I had before. And that's fantastic. And that doesn't cut into my time to build other skis at all. It just adds me some more profit and other business Avenue. And so I took a crack at it. We sat down, designed up a rocker profile in SolidWorks, designed up the shape. I think our shape, we actually ended up taking my powder ski and shrinking it shrinking it down quite a bit and then cutting a deep swallowtail into it and then shrinking up the side cut radius as well. So it's running, it's rocking like an eight meter side cut radius on it. And we've got it down to like 930 grams roughly is what the full carbon setup comes out as now. And then I think Cy had his total touring setup with binding at 1100 grams. So we've got it decently light the goal at some point is sub a thousand grams and we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Someone sent me a picture on Instagram that they put a telly setup on it. Yeah. Like a three pin with like an Alpina boot. And <laughs> that looked absolutely ridiculous, but I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued. I kind of want to do it to my own pair now. Yeah. I have but telly yeah, blades. They're fun. Have... Like I've, I've ridden them a couple of times. Sorry, go ahead. I, I have a pair of Tele blades and they are amazing. They're a pair of line Mike Nick Pro models, which was like I was a ski boarder back in the day and I'm 35 years old and it was cool then. I promise everybody listening, it was cool for a minute. It was in the X Games. Look it up. Uh, I think it was either Mike, I think it was Mike Nick who won it that year with a Liu Kang 900. And it's still the coolest trick that's ever happened on the planet. And I will argue it to anybody. But so I found a pair online. I bought them and I mounted them up with um, a Telemark binding. And it's a riot. It's so much fun. And it comes back to me at least as like skiing is fun. It doesn't matter how we're doing it. And we all get yeah. jaded in the industry and we think, you know, we're better than some people or we see people on junk skis or junk boots or. And it, this just makes it like wholesome again. And it's so it's a riot. So I don't I don't know. I think there's yeah. a place for them. I think, you know, Sai seems to love them. He thinks it's like an absolute. I don't know if it's the right tool for the job. Then who am I? Like I don't know. I'm no better than nobody. I don't. Know. That's my thinking too. Is it's like it's just it's another option out there for people to use. And I've had. I've had some really, like, all the feedback I've got on, like, Instagram from, like, customers of Bottom has been just so positive and, like, wonderful. And, you know, they're sending me clips of them doing, like, 
I don't know. These, these people I sell these ski blades to, they are way better at ski blading than I ever thought was possible. It's like I keep getting some pics and videos of these guys throwing like backies off of like nothing on these blades and then like start. So that's all right. We make it work. It, it could very much be mine too. So it's okay. We're back, everybody. We dropped again, but we're making it happen. Uh, we we're just talking about people doing backflips on their snowler blades and how these people are taking this sport to like an all-time high <laughs> yeah it's in it's just insane like just the amount of stoke i've been getting from all these folks too that have gotten on the blades and then they're telling me like oh these are like the best pair of blades ever like i'm i'm sticking on these like the rest of my life now and, like i'm not saying that to like hype myself up at all but like i'm saying that more as a I am also equally as shocked <laughs> that they had this sort of like feedback reaction or like <laughs> this was their response right away. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you sure? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're like wasting money on me over here. Like I'm, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's weird. It's wonderful. It's, it's strange. It's crazy. It's fantastic. <laughs> so you're selling them. People are buying them. Yeah, like people are buying these. I'd say probably half my sales this last year were blades. That's fantastic. I know. I mean, not to say it's a ton of sales, but still, like half my sales were blades. Like that's awesome. It's amazing. But like I'm uh, proudly in. There's a ski board uh, Facebook group, and if you are not on it, you should join it because you'll Ooh. sell them. But I'm on the Facebook group. I, I need to join them. Oh, I will send you the link. But it's, it's like a cult, man. These people love ski boarding or snowblading or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. They love it. And I like, I, I feel like a spy in there because I'm not really a ski boarder, but I'm like, it makes you feel good because we're all jaded and they're just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Like they're just having fun. You can't be mad at them for having fun, but they take it I know, seriously. They're out there. It's just, it's wonderful too, just to see like that aspect of the sport where it's just like, it's so pure and just like pure enjoyment of these folks just stoked to get out on the mountain. And. All right, we're back. We're back recording again. I apologize to everyone listening to this because we've dropped a couple of times, but. He's in South Dakota where they don't have internet at all, I don't think yet. And I am yeah. in a no, van. Wagons. <laughs> I'm in a van where <laughs> I also don't have great internet. So sometimes we get lucky, sometimes we don't. But I apologize to everyone listening, but we're back on the audio train. So I think we're I think we're good here. So we're back with Doug with full send. And we're just talking about ski boards because this is what we talk about these days. <laughs> <laughs> the next latest and greatest thing. <laughs> So are you like are you developing Yeah, like just Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. You know, yeah, no, like we're still we mainly got like kind of like the general shape and everything pretty much set. We're still trying to figure out what we can do more to like, you know, lose more weight without like impacting any sort of like structural issues for the blades. And then other than that, I mean there's gonna be a blade version three coming out soon. Which there technically is, or technically like 2.0 right now, but 3.0 will be dropping within the next month or so. And that's mainly on, I'm getting, mainly I'm just shallowing up the swallowtail to make production times easier and reduce the cost there. 
and then still leaving the deep swallow on the actual like dedicated touring setup. And we're just going to kind of simplify it all up. And I'm hopefully going to start doing like runs of blades instead of doing build to order. So we'll have some actual in stock that'll ship right away as opposed to, you know, the two to three to four weeks for the build process right now that I have it kind of lined up as. And how much? Yeah, other than that, I do what Sai tells me to do. <laughs> how much are blades? Four hundred twenty bucks, sixty nine cents for the base model. Obviously, <laughs> I think that has to be the cost of that. Why else would they be? <laughs> I don't even know why I asked. I knew the answer. <laughs> The whole build process, like sourcing all my materials, I spent so much time figuring out how I could save money so I could sell them at that cost. And I'm like, who else? No one's going to buy these for like $690.42. Yeah, you have to be at the 420 Obviously, line. You have to be at the 420 yeah, or exactly. 69.42, but that's too cheap. I do have yeah, a, I do have a pro model. If you want to make me a pro model, I want size design, but I want scales for the base. So yep. I don't even need skins. We, there, there might be some R and D that we're going to do with that. Cause I'm in, uh, Mark, figure out where to source those scale bases. <laughs> Marquette backcountry Volley has them, so they they make them somewhere. Because Volley makes a ski that's like a hundred underfoot with scales, so it does exist. Um, and there's a new market. Yeah, yeah. There's a new market because Marquette backcountry ski. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, if you aren't, I will send you them. But yep. They backcountry absorb them, and they're killing them. So they're gone. So there's no more. They're gone. So now we need to fill that gap. I don't think it's a huge market, but um, if you know Alex Kaufman from Wintry Mix, weird foothill guy, he's buying up everyone that exists on the planet, and he's going to start his own museum full of Marquette backcountry skis because he is obsessed with them. Nice. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically those things are just – I mean – Glorify not this is gonna sound kind of detrimental, which I don't want it to sound bad because it's a smart design on what they built, but kind of like glorified snowshoes ski combo. Yeah, so they're because you can still go downhill on those Marquette backcountry skis and you can still hike uphill on them, but it's like it's like someone took a snowshoe and decided that you know this is we're gonna make one that's not terrible. Basically. Yeah, so you get they're 122 underfoot. I think they're 122 in length. Plastic, no metal edges. They hike. I've done. I've done it before with Alex. Actually, um, they tour more like a snowshoe than a glide. They're more of a stomp. But yep. if you ski in yeah. six inches of of fresh snow, they're amazing. It's it's unbelievable. I I was blown away at nice. how well they actually work and what they're for. And the cool thing is, there's no downtime. So like, you wear like leggings and basketball shorts and a helmet and you know a, a base yeah. layer but you're never cold you just keep doing laps and you ski like the foothills you don't have to go anywhere real because you can do it on like sledding hills it's unbelievable it's the weirdest sport it's so much and i fun. think because i because like i know i thought i heard somewhere or like read an article about how, like, how he's making them too and like 
he's he was making building them like similar to how they make like running boards for jeeps or something so they're like stupid durable too yeah it's all plastic but yeah yeah like I, it that, that's that's like really a business like case of like a guy that like made his own market to then sell the product to by making a product that no one else had thought of yet and it's like super smart yeah, and then he got sued by Backcountry and then sold them to Backcountry. And now Backcountry is killing them. Backcountry.com is, they are no longer producing them. They bought them to kill them. So it's over. So it's like, we're, we're trying to follow up on that like the like saga. Well, yeah, but we're trying to like follow up on it and find out what they want to do with the molds or like, this. it's not over. We're fi- We're going to find out what's happening. Yeah. It's, yeah, because that's definitely still got a. I mean, that'd be a great market segment right there. Even just as getting like people introduced into the sport that are that don't want to spend, you know, the six hundred to a thousand dollars lift ticket or you know a season pass, and then all the gas, the money, the skis, like all the gear. Like you're not dropping like five to six k if you've got nothing for ski gear into like getting into skiing. Like, you can obviously save a bunch and get it for under a thousand if you're if you really search for deals, but like having that as like an option for people that want to get out there and like want to ski and don't want to have to like pay hardly anything. That'd be perfect to get them into the sport. Yeah. And they're super fun and super durable. I think that's the home run too. And you can be at work. Not like you want to be at work, but like you can go do a lap in the morning and be at your desk by eight, 9am, which is, you know, with the way lift lines yeah. are going and everything else, I think the backcountry is growing. And I think, I mean, I know the backcountry is growing, but I think it'll be, I don't know. I, I've done it. I can, I see what Kaufman sees and I don't blame him. I do not blame him for wanting to do that. And it's the same thing with like Cy and what he's skiing and these weird coolars and these tiny shoots that like maybe wouldn't be that fun on a full size ski because they're too wide too long now you have these little ski boards and you get to ski this different terrain that's like it makes sense i don't know i'm not mad at anyone for having fun that's all we're doing exactly that's like that's all that matters just getting more people out there and like lowering like the bar of like expense to the sport so you can get more people riding that's it and that makes it's better for everyone because more people that ride equals more money spent equals more ski companies equals more options equals more craft breweries. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I like the probably in there. So who's your, we'll, ra- we'll wrap this up a little bit because we're dropping yeah. internet once in a while. Who is your ideal customer? Where can they yeah. find you? Um, you know, I know you said you, you hate your website, but you obviously have a website and we want to send them there to buy skis. Who's your ideal customer? What kind of person are they? What type of skier are they? And, you know, what are your skis? Who are they made for? Skis are definitely made for basically anyone who likes to have fun skiing, whether or not you want to spend most of your time. It's definitely the more playful type of skier. Your whole point is just to make the most out of whatever mountain you're riding. So, like, whether or not that's a basin, Brett copper keystone. I'm just going to not name all the Colorado ones. Uh, Meadowlark, Wyoming, best ski resort in North America. Hands down. Absolute favorite. My buddy Landon sitting here next to me, laughing at me about that, but (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, and like they're just made to eke the most amount of fun out of the mountain. I mean, kind of think think of them as a mix of I would say like the new a thousand ski brand with Owen three P with because they're all bamboo cord, they're all super lightweight and they're just they're flexible they're fun they're very playful you can still romp you can still charge on them and we can make them nice and stiff for you but like it's definitely designed with a playful skier in mind like hands down that's the customer someone who wants a nice unique handcrafted product if you want to be able to call up the guy that made your skis and just talk to him i'm your man That'd be that probably my biggest thing. You can just you can talk the ear off about what you want in your skis or how you're riding or good lord. I mean, if you blow out an edge or something and need help repairing or need a replacement, like I want to be able to actually sit there and be there to help you out with that. So that way you can go straight to the source instead of having to go through a shop and then to the ski company. You can just, you know, give me a call. Everyone who buys my skis ends up having my phone number anyway. So <laughs> that and might yeah, be a death come, sentence. If you want to buy a pair, you want to demo them or something? Yeah, I know. It's going to be a death sentence for my voicemail. <laughs> yeah, like, and if you want to buy a pair or test them out on demos, the only place we've had demos so far has been Terry Peak, South Dakota, but I'm going to try to do a better job actually advertising if I'm off traveling somewhere. So if I'm out at Red Lodge, if I'm out at Big Sky, if I'm down in Colorado, most likely at A-Basin, fingers crossed, then I'll, you know, post up on the gram and whatnot, let people know. But if you're if you're interested, hit me up on Instagram, you know, send me, send me an email on the website. I'm more than happy, even if you just want to talk ski designs or whatever. I'm happy to just answer questions too. Or if you want to build a pair of skis and you want to do it yourself, like more than happy to help you source materials or like answer questions or try to steer you away from all the mistakes that I've made in ski building so that you can have a much easier go about it in your first time. Cause I always like seeing people that like want to go build their own product. I, I don't want to sit here and discourage someone from trying to build a pair of skis. Like it's hard. It sucks. You're going to make mistakes, but if you want to build a pair of skis, go for it. That's amazing. And what is the website? Full send ski company. Dot com. com. And what is the Instagram handle? Full send underscore ski underscore co. All right, Doug, I think we nailed it. I think we got through our internet debacles. I think we put together a, a, comparable podcast here (laughs) yeah i mean at least joe rogan level is what i'm feeling right now uh we need more like hate and probably racism and horse tranquilizers but we're close a little bit of dmt Uh, yes we need more drugs (laughs) and uh unscientific advice (laughs) so go take horse tranquilizers exactly Doug, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your patience with, uh, I don't know if it's my internet or yours. I'd say it's both of our internets. but I'll, I'll, I'll take the ball on that. It's probably my internet. <laughs> it's all good, man. Thanks so much. So that was episode 44 of The Pursuit on the Auto Collective. As always, like, subscribe, share, follow at Out of Bounds, Out of Podcast, I think, on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, at Mr. Adam X, at Out of Podcast. Listen to their shows, leave a review, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. Other than that, we'll be in Tahoe next week, so if you're in Tahoe, give us a shout, and we'll see you tomorrow.